and you're listening to the TX Marvel Podcast. <laughs> Joe, here's where we try to put a clever introduction to what we're going to cover in the show, but it's just not necessary today, is it? No, it's very, uh, I mean, we all know what's going on in the world right now. It's it's much, much different than the uh, last week, you know, uh, yeah, whenever we talked. So I'll, I'll let you get the business side of stuff going. I don't think either one of us had any sense. I, I think we both knew things were going to be change, but it has changed just dramatically in a very quick period of time. So um, obviously today we're going to cover how COVID-19, the virus, is profoundly affecting water polo. Um, we, knowing full well that the water polo community is just a small part of what's going on globally. Um, but that's what we do here. We cover the sport of water polo. We cover it in the state of Texas. We're going to obviously expand beyond the borders here for uh, uh, some of the subject matter. But that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and, uh, well, we'll cover a few things. Like, what do we know? Um, you know, what's going on? What's been canceled? And then uh, we'll finish out the, today's show with a conversation with Fresno State head coach Natalie Benson, who's got some connections with Texas. So we, we'll talk to her later. Yeah. And, and yeah, and this is, as we all know, this is a very serious matter. So please make sure you listen to your local health officials and kind of just kind of, yeah, just stay informed and do your best to stay safe and be healthy out there. We might joke around here or there and keep, uh, oh, yeah, I just want to make sure everybody knows that we're not. Uh, making light of this situation we're just trying to keep it uh just add, add a little levity to this to the situation and we're gonna keep it kind of on task as far as you know how this is affecting the water pole world but yeah. i think i mean that that's what that's that's what people are probably uh kind of listening yet to this for so hopefully we can be a little informational and not just tell you kind of like when and how but also why too yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be yucking it up, but, uh, but obviously we want to treat th- this is a human condition. It has a, it, it affects people in varying ways. So we're just going to keep going and, uh, we hope you'll keep listening and, um, and you know, I'm not going to say we're going to have a good time, but we're going to just uh, press on. So um, where are you at right th- now, James? So I, I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We got up here last, uh, last Saturday, and we have a place up here, so um, we've done we've had conversations you and I between these two uh, geographies before, um, and we had intended to go back to Austin this weekend, and that is very much up in the air. I mean, as we were talking earlier, the statesman in uh, Austin said that the there's a ban on all meetings of more than 10 people. And I saw something Williamson County, which is where my club is located, said a ban on on nothing, you know, on meetings of more than 50 people, which I think we both know is going to change, but until uh May, like late May. So I mean things are just are just wildly different than when we left. Yeah, yeah, it's uh yeah, it's definitely a different world. Um I'm like I'm at my house in uh, North Texas. Um, uh, my wife, who's a school teacher, um, mm-hmm. is we had uh, or she had spring break last week and now her school district is closed through um, her next day at work is scheduled to be March 30th. And we're probably waiting word that it's going to be a little bit later than that. So we will see. That makes sense to me. Uh, my daughter goes to a school in Austin that has been postponed until April 3, but. Uh, you mentioned to me before, and we'll go into this a little bit, but the, some of the schools are already being uh, delayed until later. So I don't have any illusions about this. I think this is going to be a while, um, and she's going to be doing school from home, and you and I are going to be working from our little offices and probably not going much of anywhere. Yeah, and as far as the water polo and the high school water polo season that is currently going on, as of right now, they're uh, just – you know, Scott Slay, who's the Tisch Water Pool chair, kind of sent an email out to all, all the coaches. And, um, yeah, basically all uh, practices and competitions have been suspended because they are following the guidelines of the UIL, which as of right now, there are no practices or competitions at the UIL through uh, March 29th. And, right. I'm, and I'm sure that might be updated or or like or what have you as we go. So, but, but that's, but that's the official date right now. So as of there, everything's been suspended through, uh, kind of March 29th, as far as Tesco water pool is concerned. Right. And, um, yeah, as we said, that suspension is probably, I mean, we're speculating, but it, it seems like it, it'll be extended beyond that point, um, for better or for worse. 
Yeah, because, I mean, I heard yesterday that all of the Houston area schools are now out through either April 3rd or April 10th. So it's a, then that's all that's that's pretty much uh, classes there's and facilities and such. Because, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, this is not just high school, too. So there's lots of clubs and such like that. And a lot of the clubs are kind of using the school district facilities. So they don't really have a choice in whether or not. Yeah, uh, they have practice. So normally if the school district is closed, then the facility is going to be closed, too. So. Yeah, precisely. It, what I think you mentioned to me um, offline uh, that corpus is maybe a little bit different, but what do we know about the varying degrees to which uh, these districts and these facilities are, are closing? I mean, I just know kind of just because I'm talking to, to different people, I, I mm-hmm. kind of out there either on the phone or text or what have you, but everybody, I mean, it kind of seems that it's starting in one school district uh, kind of will step up or a group of school districts will step up and yeah and make a decision and then they will and then that just kind of domino effect in that in that area and right. um and this is just my experiences i think last week it was houston kind of kind of led the way of kind of yeah. uh, canceling mm-hmm. through the end of march and then that slowly happened in austin and uh north texas as well and there are some school districts that are on spring break right now this is yeah, so, exactly. so, so this is their spring break and they're still kind of kind of monitoring the situation to see how are they going to go one way or the other way. So yeah. um, every every school district is different and every school district is different as far as kind of getting the word out. Um, so I would just, you know, just kind of monitor like, you know, the websites in the social media. And I'm sure that the various clubs are going to be in contact with their athletes and parents as far as practice uh, uh, kind of postponements. But I think we all are we are all in for a little bit of, quote unquote, uh, no water pole for a while. So Yeah, that's exactly right. We're um, it, it's it's incredible how uh, we'd like to be completely definitive about what we know, but it is just it's it's it differs per area. I mean, that might, that might change over time here very soon where everybody's basically on the same calendar. Uh, but wow, it's just, it's amazing how, how, how these districts, these facilities have had to react so quickly. Um, and as you said, that has an effect on the club situation. Um, just wanted to mention that, uh, we, I am trying our best to, um, retweet all the stuff that we find on Twitter that has to do with uh, practice schedules with, you know, all these cancellations, which are quite obvious. Um, so go ahead and check that out uh, at TXWaterPolo.com and uh, on Twitter. Um, now, obviously, this has had an effect on me and my club and you and your club, which is which is fascinating. Um, you know, we've canceled everything. We were hosting a tournament on the 29th that's been canceled. I have no practices, although – Strangely, our swim team that I'm affiliated with is still practicing as of today. Um, my guess is that's going to end. I don't know that for a fact. So it just goes to show how different these things are to different areas. Yeah, I've been um, – I kind of obviously a lot changed at the end of last week. I kind of waited till Friday to send an email out to the two developmental clubs that I'm working with up in North Texas, right. uh, Mavericks Water Pole and Lone Star Water Pole. And um, – Basically, we shut down through the end of this week. Um, I'm going to send out a, another email probably on Wednesday of this week once I get a little bit of, of an update for for uh, next week and the end of March and, yeah, and early April. Again, things are changing even almost hourly here. Right. So, um, but, you know, I'm, I, I just want to make sure I keep them kind of up to date. I'm also going to, um, I'm also going to be giving them a, like like some different things to do as far as videos and uh, maybe even a, a little bit of homework to keep them kind of involved, you know, within the sport and active and just kind of give them something to do. Yeah, but also some dryland stuff as well. Some dryland exactly. workouts, some ball handling workouts. I, I know that Tony Alzevedo kind of sent out something yesterday as far as with his 6-8 training. He has a he has a new app that he has a ton of stuff on. So I just think it's it's a responsibility of the, of the coaches out there for the clubs to just kind of kind of give your kids something to do you know and it, it's it's not a lot of effort out there you got to do that but you know it's uh, like a, a little bit goes a, a long long way with athletes and parents so based on what i see on social media i think these coaches are adapting pretty quickly obviously they again things differ per club per region 
Um, but I think they're coming to certain conclusions, which include things like that. Like I sent out workouts to my athletes yesterday, um, gave them a little bit of homework. Um, and I, it was odd because I could, uh, so this is spring break for us. That's the reason why we're up in Santa Fe. Um, so this week was never going to be a heavy practice week at, at all anyway. But now I have to actually say, do these workouts at home until the end of this week. But I know full well that that's more than likely going to be extended by at least another week, if not much more. Yeah, it's going to be different yeah, for everybody. And I just think just, you know, it's the uh, it's it's the patience, you know, for everybody. And there's going to be yeah. kids that don't do stuff, which we have to say, OK, you know, um, that's right. there's gonna be, yeah. I mean, there's going to be the different little um, I think I read somewhere, you know, hey, if like if you do have practice, you know, and a kid doesn't show up, well, you can't really get mad at them about that. Right? Oh, no. So, no. And, um, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I don't know why somebody would get mad at them. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of keeping this whole thing in perspective. And uh, this is, again, I think everybody said it on TV, the news, on Twitter, online. We're in uncharted waters, right? So, I mean, That's right. we don't know exactly where we're going to be in it. And as far as the people out there that, yeah, that have some questions about, the like, the mid-April uh, kind of high school events or the club events. Um, you, you know, the Southside Badger Brawl has been canceled. Right. Um, and that is a, uh, like, that was an eighth grade and sixth grade and under club event in early April. Um, now, as of right now, the only things that have been canceled officially for high school um, are going to be the, are going to be the events through uh, kind of, kind of March 29th. Now, after that, it's still kind of kind of to be determined. That includes the region championships. That includes the state championships. Those are all kind of up in the air. And I would say, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Those might be, uh, I am sure all solutions are on the board and things can be pushed back into, into May and maybe even into June if needed. But, you know, then it's just going to be a domino effect for all those events after that as well. So, yeah. you know, just... Yeah, just be patient out there. Um, as soon as as kind of as, as soon as your coaches know, I am sure they're going to let you know. So there's a lot of flexibility that Tiska has uh, about rescheduling stuff, and that might be one of the benefits of still being a club sport. And it's much easier to talk about that in turn, you know, now that it is a UIL sport that's on the books, and well, in 2021 we're going to see well, that. But uh, I believe Tiska yeah, I could see things is, changing. Uh, Tiska Waterpool is following the UIL guidelines. So if the UIL no. decides to cancel kind of all sports for the rest of spring just water pool is probably going to cancel all sports for the rest a- of spring. absolutely what all i mean is that these dates that are tip they're sort of conventional like on this weekend regional championships take place i mean that can be really altered if of course the uil is uh, allows it or at least their their recommendations say so so um it's it's i guess a slight benefit of being a club team Club yeah. Sport. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there, yeah, we still have some flexibility and such. So, you know, we can always move it here or there. So, I mean, the powers that be are going to get together and kind of make those decisions and we'll let you guys know. I'm sure we'll talk about some more things next week and such. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, for right now, we are not going to be doing the top 10 teams for the high school or nope. the player of the week or the rankings <laughs> and such. So nope. um, those are going to be a little on, on, on hiatus until we start playing again. But uh, yeah. But uh, we do appreciate all the people that did submit, you know, kind of earlier in the season. And I hope that there's an opportunity to submit later this spring as well. So I do, too. Yeah, I've always had on my agenda to do the year of the end of year awards. Um, and I'm still hoping we can do that. But um, as they say, we shall find out next week. Well, let's let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll cover a little bit about what's going on more globally, meaning the USA water polo and the NCA and so on. And uh, we'll talk about that next. Team. Deflection. Ball's loose. Yaustra. Ball game. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to TXWaterPolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. It's James and Joe back with you on a pretty incredible edition of the show. 
Um, we're gonna. Uh, we, we already talked about it. What's how it's affected this. Uh, this uh, pandemic has affected us sort of locally and what our high schools and so on. But there's a, a lot of other news. Um, in fact, that's that was updated to me. Um, USA Water Polo sent out something to me just an less than an hour ago. But um, they have made some cancellations of some major events. And so, uh, what do you know about that, Joe? Yeah, so kind of some of the major events that USA Waterfall has canceled in the very short term. It's going to be the 2020 FINA uh, Men's and Women's Intercontinental Tournament, which is which is a tournament that was going to be in Indianapolis on April 28th through May 3rd. I was going there. Canceled. And, yeah, uh, yeah so, and I mean, that would be that would have brought, you know, six or seven teams from around the world to Indianapolis. So that's so that's a shame. I mean, that is a tournament that uh, that. We hosted up in North Texas for the women back prior to the 2016 Olympics. So, um, and that was going to be both the men and women at the same location. And that was going to be a great, and that's a great, not that's a great uh, facility. So hopefully we can do something else up there um, yeah. in the long term. Now, some other things that have been uh, canceled is the inaugural USA Warpole Division Three uh, Women's National uh, uh, Championship, which was going to be on in on May 8th, 9th, and 10th in Southern California. They did it for the men this past, uh, like this past fall after the men's NCAA season. So, so we we'll talk a little bit more about the NCAA cancellations later. But that's just that's just uh, there there are no teams that are playing right now. So everybody yeah. is just so so that event was canceled. The week yep. three for the National League in Southern California on April fourth and fifth, and then also the National League Championship slash the Fisher Cup on May sixteenth and seventeenth have been canceled. Some events that are to be determined as of right now are the Welcome to Texas shootout here locally in yeah in yeah in San Antonio and the other kind of the summer events including NGO quals and also the National Junior Olympics at the end of the summer. Those are all to be determined. I mean oh kind of right now uh, nothing's been canceled or postponed. But uh, of course I think we're all in a in a in a bit of a wait and see type uh type attitude right now so but yeah so that's that's in the short term calendar of what's going on so right yeah amazing <laughs> and for those that are just kind of curious we have not made a decision on the tags tournament which is the texas age group state uh water polo championships for the eighth grade and sixth grade and under crew that that is currently scheduled for may 9th and 10th in keller we have not made a we have not made a decision on that yet so okay yeah, um, neither, and we talked a bit about Tiska, but they, there's been no, no uh, nothing solid about whether re- state championships are going to be rescheduled or any of that. So again, wait and see. Uh, in the meantime, again, like I got a letter an hour ago about ODP. We already knew that the girls' national championships were postponed until May 22. Um, that's still the case. But now the national team selection camp for boys has been delayed until May 15 through 17. Um, and wow, this it's so fluid because you see that on the calendar and you think, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. But anyway, that's all speculation. And then uh, uh, it doesn't affect me or us in the Southwest Zone for the boys. We were done with training anyway, but there's been a complete ban on any ODP training. So uh, Chris Cullen and his group, I don't know whether they had something on the calendar, but there ain't going to be training at all, um, not prior to national championships. Yeah, I think we mentioned a little while ago, I think there's going to be a little bit of no, quote unquote, no water pole here for at least a couple of weeks. So. And then we're, right. everybody will kind of reevaluate along the way. And yeah. um, and we will keep you as up to date as possible through clubs, through the TX Water Pole website. Um, also, you can always go to usawaterpole.org uh, uh, as well. So. Yeah, TX Water Pole is better though. So just there you go. Um, NCAA made an announcement. Uh, in fact, I'm going to even just read some of it. It's always funny because the the focus is on on things that you and I might not be as interested in. Is that the NCAA president Mark Emmert and the board of governors canceled the Division One men's and women's basketball tournaments as well as all remaining winter and spring NCAA championships. That makes me feel good about water polo there. The priorities, but that obviously affects everything. And there's not a school or a, a college that I know of that has basically said we're going to press on because there's nobody to play and um, and all the competition is banned as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there's, I think there are athletes that are being sent home and, um, or I guess student athletes that, that are being sent home and their schools have basically canceled classes for the remainder of the spring. 
a period done. You are going to be doing kind of the remote learning and then therefore their athletics has also been canceled. I think Austin College Athletics has been canceled in the water polo team. I think they have just extended their spring break for a week. So I don't know what they're doing as far as the remote learning aspect up in up in Austin College. But yeah, I mean, I think I think there's been people that have been driving across country and or kind of flying home from everywhere, kind of back to Texas who are in, in the middle of their NCAA seasons. So when, one so, of my former and, players who's at Austin College just wrote me yesterday to say to ask, hey, are you doing Masters water polo? And so uh, that indicated a couple of things. One is, of course, that uh, she didn't know that we're probably just going to shut things down at our pool for a while. But also it sounds like she's coming back to Austin. So um, it might not be official out of Austin College, but I think those players are headed back home. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's again, every every institution's kind of a little bit different. One thing I did read over the weekend that I'm very happy to hear is there is talk amongst the NCAA to give those athletes that were participating in spring sports an extra year of eligibility. Yeah. I'm re- relief. That, that's a big deal. Um, I noticed on Twitter, Steve Carrera, who's now the new coach at the, up in uh, college of Marin. I think that's right. I hope that's right. Up in the, uh, up in the Bay area, he's been very successful wherever he's gone. He tweeted something to the effect of, you know, how is this going to affect everybody who had, you know, who still uh, has eligibility. So yeah, a couple of announcements, NCAA is to allow eligibility, eligibility relief for division three and division one athletes. Um, very good news. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and I think that's great. I mean, it's going to be, it's good and bad news, right? So you have an athlete that was, slated to graduate this upcoming May and they may yeah. already have a job lined up, but are then they're going to have to make a decision. Okay. Do I want to come back for another year? And right. then there's going to be guidelines that they have to be in classes in the fall. They have to be in classes in the spring. Um, they're, they may not be able to do their job now. So, right. I mean, yep. so, you know, some life decisions are going to have to be made. I mean, yep. obviously, you know, we are not, the, there's not this huge kind of, I'm going to go play a kind of pro water pole thing going on. So, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, but then, you know, you have athletes that are going to be able to, to maybe start their, uh, like their grad school as well. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, so every, like, I'm sure it's gonna be on a case by case basis, but at least I'm glad that the NCAA did offer that. And that's going to be a huge, huge, a huge benefit for all the athletes and teams out there. Cause this is, this is unprecedented type issues that are going on. So, and, um, and I and, and I believe that's just kind of one less thing that that yeah that everybody has to deal with. But now, as far as dealing with not watching the NCAA basketball tournament, that's another. Thing. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I think that was supposed to start For you. What, uh, today. That was supposed to start today. Correct? Is that right? I don't yeah, follow so, this stuff anymore. I'm so so, I'm, so that was supposed to start today. So um, yeah, there's it, yeah it's like if you're not a fan of the NFL and the and the and the free agency out there there's not much sports going on. So, and we know that, but aside from that, but um, yeah, it's definitely a different world out there. Um, And I'm kind of curious to kind of listen to the podcast and, uh, and yeah, and see where uh, coach Benson stands on, on a lot of these things because she's an active coach in the, in the NCAA. So, we did. I've been planning on speaking with Natalie Benson, the, who's the head coach at Fresno State, for some time because um, she's been pretty active about recruiting Texas athletes and still has been. And we'll find out about that part. But we cannot avoid the sort of the larger global issue, just what the effect is on her program and the athletes and and so on. So anyway, we will cover that next. Hey, this is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. James Smith in Santa Fe, and on the line is, does she need an introduction? I don't think so. It's the head coach at Fresno State University, Natalie Benson. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing just about as well as everybody else is at this Under moment. Under circumstances, right? I mean, I've wanted to talk to you for some time because you have some connections with Texas, and obviously you have two athletes on your roster currently that are from the state of Texas. But it would be impossible for us to pass over the much, much bigger news. 
Um, and uh, we just discussed a little bit beforehand, but we have to cover this COVID pandemic and see how it's affected you and your team. If you could share, if you'd be willing, like, just share a little bit about the timeline. Like, how was it that you went from, you know, beating Fresno Pacific on February 23rd to suddenly having just no season whatsoever? Honestly, I, I don't even know if it's really hit me completely yet in terms of the the loss of our season. I think um, hearing the news and, and hearing you know about Harvard shutting down, Princeton shutting down, um, Con College shutting down. You know, a bunch of colleges were coming out well before we did, saying that they were literally shutting down campus and canceling their respective seasons. And so at some point, you know, it's kind of like, all right, it's coming this way. We're it's we're not going to be immune from this, and you know, right. we're not we're not escaping it. And so um, I had kind of set myself up to understand that this is going to happen most likely, and if it doesn't happen, then you know, it would be a big surprise. And so I think I'd coped with it in that regard, where um, I knew it was going to happen at some point, just from yeah. all the things that were coming coming down. So. Um, I think the the mom, you know, the maternal side of me kind of took over and it's like, right, what's best for the health and safety of my student athletes? Um, I didn't want them to travel. I we were lucky enough to have again, like you said, our, our last game was against Fresno Pacific. And then we had a four week gap planned in our season after a six week just crazy juggernaut of a of a start to our season. And so. Uh, we were actively working on getting stronger in our areas of weakness and really conditioning the heck out of the girls and um, having some mental downtime, but really pushing them physically. And uh, we were starting to amp back up into getting ready for games. And this whole thing came down the pike. But um, yeah, I just I, I thought about with my children, you know, do I want my kids going somewhere? Do I want my student athletes traveling somewhere right now with all this stuff going on? Is it safe to travel? Is it safe to, to bring it back to our community? If we if we are the ones who were leaving and coming back, um, and so it was just I I figured this was the best thing to do ultimately. Right. And and they're you know they're very savvy they know what's going on news wise. Could you tell that they were sort of considering this along the way as well? They thought this might really come down the pike. They hadn't brought it up to me. I think some of the girls were asking questions, just you know, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, nothing but nothing super specific. Right. You know. It, are we still leaving on this time at, on this weekend uh, for this tournament uh, or yeah. for this uh, conference match? But uh, honestly, I don't think they had really considered it that much. I think it honestly came as a genuine shock to the team when we announced that the season had been canceled and um, it was the most quiet I'd ever heard them. And they you had two questions. One was about, is there any chance that they could change their mind? Is there any chance that it can come back on? Uh, I didn't know the answer to that, but I said it's it's very doubtful. And yeah. then the next one was what happens to our eligibility. <clears throat> right. Well, yes. that's that's actually a very good segue because you have, from my understanding, one senior is listed on your um, on your roster, and everybody else is an underclass person. I don't even know if they call that that anymore. But anyway, um, so. <laughs> You face something of a unique situation. I mean, if you even just read on social media, there's just the the pain of all these young athletes who thought that they were going to have one more year. Um, and I know the NCAA has uh, now announced some relief for them. So what is your understanding of what the NCAA is offering as far as eligibility is concerned? And how, if at all, does it affect your one senior on your roster? My understanding of what the NCAA uh, has chosen to do is probably the same as what everybody else understands is that they said that we can get relief <laughs> for that one year. What that means, I don't know. Um, mm. Does it, is it for everybody? Is it just for seniors? Is it just for spring sports? Is it for spring sports and winter sports who were just, you know, in their championship segment was it, or is it going to be, how is equivalency going to take, um, be taken into account for this. You know, with women's water polo, we have an equivalency of eight. So our, we are allowed to hand out eight scholarships. Right. So let's say, you know, obviously we only have one senior, but let's say next year I'm going to have eight seniors. Um, what happens then? You know, what happens with that group? If we have a bunch of signed 2021s coming in, what happens to our equivalency? Would we be over? Is the NCAA going to do something about that? So I think there's still a lot of 
questions still floating in the air and they understand that there's a lot of questions still floating in the air. And, and honestly, what we're going through right now is completely unprecedented. We have nothing yeah. else to really compare it to in the you know modern era. Um, you, know, you think about things being canceled. You know, when have the Olympics been canceled? You know, wars. And um, in our case, 1980. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, this is kind of uncharted territory for everybody. And I think we're going to do our best. Everybody collectively will do our best to to weather the storm and figure out the, the best and, and fairest way to get through it. And ultimately, a lot of these young people are going to also make the decision to, you know, hey, I'm I'm done. You know, I'm finished with school and I'm moving on. And I yeah, it stinks the way it ended, but they could probably even compare it to a season ending injury. Right. You know, you tear ACL, you're out too. You know, you don't yeah. get a second chance really at some point. So, um, you know, I th- there's a lot of things that, that are going to be considered. And I think it's just important that we continue asking questions so that the appropriate things are considered um, for the best outcome for these student athletes. Yeah, you brought up so many good points about things that I actually don't know anything about that I'm just going to stop asking questions about the NCAA, which is ridiculous <laughs> anyway. And then we can figure out what these rules mean a year from now. Because if you look at it from a distance, it's just, are they eligible for next year or are they not? That's, that's sort of, you know, the layman's perspective. But you have all of these other mitigating factors that you've brought up that are just making my head hurt. So I'm going right. to move on from that because actually what we wanted to talk about is the most important thing, of course, which is the state of Texas. Um, we right. we have to steer it back to them. Um, it's it. I think it's fair to say that you've been among the most active high-level coaches that have been looking at Texas athletes for some time. Um, you have two on it currently, Callie Woodruff from Baytown Sterling and Sydney Coachman from Cy Creek. Um, did you have your eye on Texans from the start of your collegiate coaching experience? And if you did, was there a reason why? I did, yeah. Um, even when I was out at Marist College, I was still interested in trying to get some kids from Texas. Um, but when I started the program – I thought Texas would be a great place to go. Um, one, because the kids in Texas are always great. They're always saying thank you, eye contact, handshakes, um, very appreciative of, of the opportunities they're given because they're not given too many in, in the grand scheme of things compared to uh, kids that grow up in, in Southern California. Um, they don't have as, like, as you guys know, you know, water polo has just become a sanctioned sport in the state of Texas for the high school kids. And so, um, to have the opportunity to play in a sanctioned uh, sport is a big deal. You know, CIF water polo became for the women, for girls, became a thing my sophomore year in high school, which was right, 19, right. 1998. It was a long time ago. And so, um, you know, you, you look at that disparity between the opportunities that some of the kids in California have and what some of the kids in Texas have and still how invested they are in their sport and how much they love it and how hard they try and how they still participate in ODP. And they're looking for opportunities to compete and get better. And as a college coach, I don't expect anybody to come into my program fully polished and fully perfect. Um, I want to be able to coach the kid up. So does the kid have the tools to be able to be coached? So are they tough? Are they hardworking? Do they have tenacity? Do they have grit? Like, are they are they going to be somebody who's going to continue to improve throughout their four years instead of just come in good and that's the way they'll stay for four years? So, interesting, um, interesting. yeah. So with those two in particular, with, with Callie and Sid, they've performed extremely well. Um, both have been starters throughout their career at different times. Um, Sydney, I've been really impressed with how she's developed. You know, physically, she's um, she's strong. She's fast. She's long. Um, she's smart. She communicates. She's one of our best communicators in the water. Her tone is great. Um, she's very good at just listening to what we're saying and applying it and not overthinking it and thinking that, you know, it's it's bigger or harder than it really is. Right, um, right. And and so she's turned into one of our leaders uh, in and out of the pool. So she's a she's a great kid <clears throat> and her family's super supportive. And so and then there's Callie, who's, you know, crazy. She's nuts and we love her. But she's um, she's a go getter. You know, she wants to win and she wants to perform and she doesn't shy away from opportunities to um, to help and to contribute and to, to try to win the game. And so uh, she's, again, <laughs> tough and and quick and aggressive and feisty. And, and for us, it's kind of like you have to be kind of a, 
a gritty kid, a kid that's willing to get some dirt under your fingernails to come and play for a first year team for a brand new program that has literally nothing to show for what we've done in the past. So when those two kids signed, you know, again, it's kind of the, the wild west out here. Like they had nothing to compare it to. And they said, sure, put it on my back. I want to do this. And so I amazing. think that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so both also earned some high uh, awards. They're both Texas State MVPs in the high school season, and um, uh, and Cali earned second team All GCC awards last year. So they've they've had some success on your team. Um, I'm wondering if we might want to dive down into the things that not necessarily they, but you've observed other Texas players, if there's a tendency that you think that they need to improve upon based on your observations, because you get to see everybody from Orange County, you get to see all those <laughs> players that have just tons of game experience. Um, what is it that you might want to suggest to Texas players that they work on in case they were interested in playing D1 water polo? I think just keeping it simple and really focusing in on the basics. Uh, I think we, as uh, a society, I think get too consumed in the fancy stuff, you know, the stuff that we can do that, you know, it's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be crazier than that. It can't just be that simple. And it's like, no, it, it's, it's that simple. So if you have strong legs and you're good vertically, um, you can, you can work in an, any angle. I can lean to my left to make an entry pass. I can lean to my right. I can regather my legs. I can slide or swim and go horizontal to vertical quickly. I can move over my hips effectively to go in and out on a zone on defense or to knock somebody down on five on six. Um, I need to be, uh, agile on my legs and strong on my legs. And so I think really just working your legs and making sure we as coaches are also making sure that these kids egg beater. I know that sounds ridiculous, but learning how to properly egg beater, you'd be surprised that kids have never been taught how to skull with their hands. No, I'm so, not surprised. Yeah. So just like really basic stuff, I think is in paying attention to the the details, the very small specific details that, that are commonly overlooked and frequently overlooked, um, really dialing into those things um, instead of trying to understand, you know, the fancy six on five play, the fancy, you know, timeout play or whatever it is. Uh, It's not about that. It's not about gimmicks. It's not about tricks. You know, you got to if you put the ball in the corner nine times out of 10, even though you throw it 10 miles an hour slower than the person next to you, you're going to be more effective. You know, so how can we be more consistent uh, over our hips, vertical legs, um, being able to throw. So like right now, these kids who, who can't go to school, can't get in the pool, throw, like get a yeah, glove and go yeah. in the yard with your, with your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister, whatever, and go outside and throw a ball, you know, get a ball and throw it against the wall, get a basketball and lie on your back and, and, you know, work on your wrist snap. Um, there's so many things we can do research videos on proper throwing mechanics, because even then, once you have your vertical strength, your vertical ability to move, can you finish? You know, can you do all, you look great and you're fast and everything else, but can you finish? Can you put the ball in the net? Um, so those are some good opportunities to, to practice those things. Yeah. I'm going to take everything you just said, uh, cause it's all been recorded and give it to my club players because I think they've <laughs> tired of me saying all those things, but, but coming from you, maybe that'll make a difference. I wanted to ask you about coaching up players and no matter where they're from Texas or otherwise, um, is that some coaches will say that's their favorite part is that they is coaching the ones that sort of need it. Um, And I'm wondering if you share that sort of uh, share that opinion. I do. I would say I'm, I'm half and half. I think deep down inside, that's my favorite part, but then, you know, there's the part of me where this is my job and I need to win and I'm a division one coach, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's, it's, it's a mix now where I need some kids on the team that can challenge the ones that need to be coached up, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so like show them how it's done physically, literally show them, like be that example in the water, be the one that, that sets the standard and then everybody else can chase. So you have that. And then you have the kid that is getting coached up and we have a ton of them on our team. If you look at our roster, it's amazing. Um, but they're they're attentive and and I, sometimes it gets frustrating. You're like, oh my gosh, really? I have to tell you this. But again, it's it's, it's why we do it, and it's it's really rewarding to see those kids take what you've told them and apply it and want more and ask for more and try more and and now 
you know that you've impacted that kid's life and you've made that kid believe in themselves. And that's, that's our job. You know, one of my mentors says that coaching is, we are engineers of belief. You know, we have to be strategic and mechanical and, and, um, you know, totally on, on key with what we're teaching. But at the same time, we got to teach these kids how to believe and encourage them to believe in themselves. And so how else by showing them that they're competent at a certain skill, then that'll give you confidence. Well, that that again is a is a great way to move on. Um, let me just for all of those who are listening, all eleven of you, um, well, you have the. I mean, you have one of the most impressive resumes in the history of American water polo. That's why we didn't even introduce you that way because this stuff is available. You have three NCAA championships, Coutinho Award winner, Olympic bronze and silver silver medals, Hall of Famer in 2015. But I'm curious about the decision to coach because. You have a stellar career. You don't have anything to prove, and coaching ain't easy. So maybe you could walk a little bit through your decision making. When did you decide that coaching was something that you wanted to try to eat, you know, wanted to try, and then maybe even make a career out of? I honestly got started in coaching because I was one of the few athletes who didn't have college to finish or play overseas in uh, 2007, 2008. And so there were only six of us left. And so I said, all right, well, we're not full-time training. We're, we're doing some training, but I should probably try to make a little bit of extra money. So I worked, I did some private lessons and I worked with a couple of local club teams <clears throat> and I really learned how to make a connection with the kids and they looked up to me for what I did, but it was really neat to watch them learn and see their struggles uh, mentally uh, you know, I'm not good enough because I missed that shot. And, and uh, in my role, my current role, it was like, no, you're doing great. You're learning. It's going to take time for you to figure it out. Like, be a little nicer to yourself. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I should probably take my own advice as an athlete. <laughs> you know, listen, <laughs> listen to this stuff. And the things I was teaching these kids, I was applying to my game. And the, the questions they had, I was thinking about more objectively. So I was becoming more and more of a student of the game because of my role as a teacher. Um, and I literally started off and I think for coaches, this is some of the, you know, the best advice that I've, I can actually provide is unsolicited. Of course, I'm sorry, everybody. But, um, <laughs> uh, I remember when I first got started coaching, like none of the information was mine. It was all, you know, Guy Baker and Kyle Kopp and, right. you know, Heather Moody and the people who coached me, Adam Krikorian, and the people who coached me before I literally was just a parrot. I would take what Kyle went over in skill work and apply it with this kid and we'd work on, you know, lunging to the lane on perimeter defense. And, um, and that, and then the kids started asking questions and I started thinking about it more objectively outside the box of what I had learned in practice. And, and then it started to become mine slowly and now it's completely transitioned, which is really neat. But I just started off being a parrot and copying and, and pasting, repeating what we did before, because why not? It works for us. It'll work for this kid too. Um, and so I, I got started in it selfishly, long story made long, uh, got started in it selfishly just trying to make a couple extra bucks. And then I realized that it was really rewarding. It was really fun. And it was neat to share the game with young people who had the same look in their eye that I did when I was you know, 15 years old. So uh, that's why I started coaching. So it, 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 it sounds like you're comfortable with yourself in that role now as opposed to – or you've discovered over time, right, that you're parroting other coaches, which is mm -hmm. completely sensible. That's how anybody who does coaching does that. But but now you're sort of comfortable in your own shoes. Is that is that sort of a correct way to put it? I guess. I think it's it's – we need to ask ourselves to do as coaches what we ask our athletes to do. So if – like what we said earlier, if an athlete just needs to kind of dumb it down and listen to literally what we're saying and do exactly what we're asking, that's it. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking for anything special. So as coaches, it's the same thing. So if you're an assistant coach or you're working with somebody else and you're trying to learn, it doesn't, you don't have to come up with some revolutionary idea. Like you don't have to come up with some big mind blowing thing. Honestly, half the time you just need to copy and paste. <laughs> you need to repeat what the coach said. You need to start to pay attention to the to the little things that they're modeling in practice. You know, how did she communicate or how did he communicate with uh, that athlete in that tough situation? How did how did they get that person to respond in that situation? You know, how can I, you know, how can I do that? How can I copy that? 
you know, and I think sometimes we as coaches think that we have to come up with some revolutionary thing in order to be um, effective as coaches. And half the time it's just, you just got to repeat what you learned when you were younger. That is a temptation to try to be the most innovative person in the room. That, that's a, that's a very good advice. Now, um, when you started or when you did make the decision that you wanted to coach, as you just described, did you have any particular aims in mind? Not necessarily. I started off coaching club and we coached the Huntington Beach Water Polo Club and had some good success there. And the the transition from club to college happened when my husband and I had our second child and I realized that I, I probably shouldn't have a full-time day job and go to night practices every day. That's going to be tough to do with, with two kids. Um, you know, I got to pick one and if I pick something that I'm not super into, I'm going to find some way to scratch the itch. Right. right. And so I realized that water polo was the itch I couldn't scratch and I, I had to keep doing it. And so that's what got me started in coaching college because it could be, it could be my, my kind of eight to five in some ways, even though as any coach knows, it is not an eight to five. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, uh, let's, I'm going to put you on the spot now. So uh, given that you, uh, it appear to have some aspirations and you're already the women's junior national team coach, your coach, Adam Krikorian someday, and nobody's wishing this upon him, but someday he's going to retire. Um, is that a role you can imagine yourself playing? Um, maybe at some point, I don't, I'm not canceling it out. I, I don't, I also wouldn't put it on my, you know, it's not on my vision board. You know, I don't brush my teeth looking at it and telling myself positive aspirations about it every day. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's there. I know it's there. Uh, I know it's a possibility, but in the meantime, I'm building a program right now and I, I'm really excited about what we're doing here at Fresno State. And so it's like, I kind of want to finish what I've started in some ways where we can, how can we have a, a brand new team, you know, break into that top 10 and start to knock some people off? How can we make other people believe? How can we make, how can we make 17 year olds believe in the fact that they have an opportunity to do something great. You know, I think that's, that's something that, um, I'd like to do and I'd like to feel that. And I'd like to share that with these young people who took that risk and, and made that leap of faith to be a part of a, a program that was just coming up and, um, watch them earn it. And so I think that that's kind of, that's on the forefront of my mind right now. I don't really have anything beyond that at this moment. And as you said, you know, AK was my former college coach and he's, he's been the national team coach for a while now and who knows what his choices are. And right now I'm the junior team coach because he asked me to do it. And so whomever comes in next, like obviously I'm at the mercy of that person's decision. Um, if there is going to be a change. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. I'm learning what I can and I'm, I'm just trying to be like a sponge and soak up what I can while I'm here. All right. Well, you didn't take my my bait to stir I've up some controversy. Training. Yeah. I've had media uh, training. You can't get me. Come on. <laughs> well, look, I, I can't imagine somebody with your ambitions doesn't look at that job every once in a while. Obviously, everything has to line up for that to happen, including your family, including your current coaching position, all that. But I know that that's been spoken of as you taking that role someplace. So I have one final question, which actually relates to almost nothing about water polo. You, you have a pretty robust Wikipedia page. I don't know if you know this. I don't. According to Wikipedia, your favorite quote is, quote, life is too important to be taken seriously, unquote, oh. by Oscar Wilde. Mm -hmm. Is that true? It's a good one. Yeah. Wikipedia I got think, something right. I think at the, no, at the time when I when I put that up there, which was probably you know 2007 or something, I for me it was trying to make sure that I kept myself in check and I didn't get too consumed with the national team and making the Olympic team and the Olympics in general and just have fun. You know, it's it's my it's my reminder to keep enjoying the process and and have fun with with what it is we're doing every day. And I think it, times like this can really bring that out and you know, when it's taken away and you don't have it anymore, you realize how great it really is. So uh, don't take it too seriously while you're there because in any minute it can it can go away and you'll miss it. I was just hoping there would be something on Wikipedia, some story that somebody relayed about, you know, some horrible behavior in Athens and then or something oh. like that. Be able to, and you'd be mm -hmm. able to rebut it. Say, oh, that never happened. 
it was like pre-Snapchat, pre-Instagram, pre-Twitter. So we had to have calling cards back in Athens. I'm sure you have to educate some of your younger listeners about what a calling card is. Um, <laughs> but yes, I must say, though, if I did grow up in this generation, I would be all over Vine, all over TikTok. I would love that stuff. It would be so much fun. Maybe not so much the dancing, but the silly, goofy little clips. That would be that would be my thing. On that note, I think we'll wrap it up. Although I will, I will <laughs> say one thing: your Wikipedia page says you live in Long Beach, California, and well, well, I know that you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and not to mention, it says with your husband Eric Benson. That is, I believe, factually correct. His name is Eric Benson. Yeah, and your daughter, singular. Oh wow! Well, we have to talk to the little genies that update that stuff. Yeah, we definitely will. Natalie Benson, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That was our conversation with Fresno State head coach Natalie Benson. But, uh, you know, every week I say we're done, Joe. But, man, by the end of today, there's probably going to be more information. But there's no way we can just stay on this podcast all the time. So, anyway, we're done for the day. And and I don't think anybody wants us to stay on this podcast no, all the time. No one. No one. It would be like radio-free Texas water polo. It's like, no. That, we aren't doing that. Anyway. I think they're 20, 30 minutes a week is enough. And yeah, just be safe over in New Mexico and stay healthy. And I'm sure we'll have a whole lot more things to talk about next week. I know you you think that we won't, but you're exactly right. Like there's going to just be so much more to talk about. So anyway, we'll cover that a week from now. All right, we're done. Thank you everyone for listening telling a friend about the TX Waterpolo podcast. Go to TXWaterpolo.com to listen to it and to find us on social media, leave comments. Of course, give to the cause, nominate players. Well, no no more nominations for a while. Um, I still have a couple game stories I need to push out, which is fine. Uh, but anyway, so much out there. But until next week, so long from Santa Fe. And wash your hands. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.